we fix our gaze on you this morning, the author, the creator of the universe of our hearts, that sits in the stillness with us, Lord Jesus. We thank you that you are Alpha and Omega, Lord Jesus. We give you praise because you are worthy, Lord Jesus. Because you meet us right where we're at this morning. We love you. We give you all the praise. Well, good morning, family. Good morning. To my beloved president, to the CCCU commissioners, and to all of you who make up the CCU family. Isn't it good to be here? Yes. I bring you greetings from Wheaton College. I am your brother in Christ, Angelus, the ballhead preacher. Amen. <laughs> I'm going to tag this devotional thought this morning. The Great Commission in a Difficult Place. When we come to our passage on this morning, I love it because we gather at the text seeing that Jonah has finally decided to obey the word of the Lord. In the first two chapters, if you recall from Vacation Bible School, he rejected the call of the Lord. He rejected the commission of the Lord 
And he rejected the compassion of God for lost people. But here this morning, we get to see him respond in obedience to the Great Commission. Jonah is now going to carry this message into a dark and a dying world. And it's a nation that needs the light of the gospel and the compassion of God to save them from their sins. Oh, beloved, it's a beautiful thing when the Jonah in you decides to obey God. And carry the Great Commission to your campus. And all God's people said. So today we want to look at what happened when Jonah carried the word to a hurting humanity. And what God did in response to Jonah's obedience. There are four things in this devotional thought to look at. Number one, let's look at Jonah's assignment. Number two, Jonah's actions. Number three, Jonah's accomplishments, and I'll land the plane talking about Jehovah's approval. When you look at the first one, if you keep your Bibles open there to verse one, the Bible says, then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to that great city of Nineveh, Jonah, and deliver the message I have given you. And this time, the Bible says, Jonah obeyed the Lord's command And he went to Nineveh. It was a city so large that it took three days to see it all. Beloved, the first thing I see when we arrive at this verse is the command of God over Jonah's life. Jonah is given a second message, a second divine opportunity, and this time it's not an option. The Lord pulled him out of a fish vomited him on dry ground, and now he commands that he obey the Lord and do what God had called him to do in chapter 1. He says, Jonah, get up and go. I like what my pastor back home, Marvin Wiley, says, God is almost saying, don't make me come downstairs, Angelus. (laughs) Get up and go and deliver the message I told you to deliver. You see, God in this verse is not open to dialogue, discussion, debate, or disobedient discovery. No, this is a you better do this or not assignment. Can I turn the light on right here? What I like about this text is that it shows us a side of God that we don't like to talk about in our campuses. No, here Jonah has a great commission, and God has spared his life in order to order his life. Jonah has been kept alive so that he could go and bring life to people who did not have it. God shows us his sovereign hand, family, in this verse. And his sovereignty declares that, Jonah, you will do this. Jonah, you've been prepared to do this. So no matter how he didn't want to do it, the assignment was his. Here's the application so you can say amen to the chocolate preacher today. (laughs) To the believer who is listening to this message and deciding that you're going to reject the will of God for your campus and for your life, 
You better think again. Don't make God come downstairs. <laughs> Don't make God make you obey. Why? Do it because you love him. Yes. Not because he makes you obey him, but because you love him. Jonah has had to be made to obey. Why? Because God urgently wants to see the souls of people saved in his region. Do you, you do know God has chosen men and women to bring the gospel to men and women. Uh, a great preacher, E.K. Bailey, said, the gospel is not for cats and dogs, or he would have had them bark and meow it out. But he's given it to men and women to proclaim the gospel. And Jonah is going to be a vessel of choice. Whether Jonah likes it or not. What a passage. What a verse. Secondly, we see a shift in the reluctant prophet's attitude. The Bible says that this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command. And he went to a city so large, it took three days, beloved, to see it. I like this because here we discover that Jonah gets to see what God sees. This time he has a new world view. And he's going to see over these three, these three days, there were souls hanging in the balance all over Nineveh. People had filled this city, and it was so large, they were everywhere. Jonah's getting a glimpse to see that God has compassion over a lost humanity. Here it is. He's getting to understand what city theology is all about. God is concerned about the cities. He's concerned about wickedness in places. He's concerned about wayward communities. He's concerned about uh, ratchet towns. He's concerned about people wasting their lives and heading for eternal ruin. And that's why God shows him the city and shows it to him on a three-day tour. Over three days, all he can see in his mind are lost people who are on the heart of God. Over three days, all he can see is the brokenness of humanity. Over three days, Jonah is forced to see with the eyes of God and see people who are lost and in need of salvation. And I wonder today, as we're preparing tomorrow's messengers for a dark and dying world, what are we showing them? Are they seeing the brokenness of humanity and how to save those who are lost? Or are we just preparing for a good financial bottom line? Oh, my beloved, if I recall correctly, all of our schools in this room started with a kingdom vision. And that separates us. That's our, dis that's our distinguishing mark is that we not only want people to do well in life, but when they leave life, we want to see them in glory. And here we discover that Jonah gets a new look at this. Here's what I want to say for us. God expects for his servants to survey the land before they start to preach in the community. He expects for you and I to see people exactly where they're at. 
and what they're doing before we begin to proclaim the word of life to them. God expects for you and I to know something about the people we proclaim the word to. So before Jonah can preach in Nineveh, he has to observe Nineveh. That's what I love about liberal arts education. It gives you a whole broad picture of humanity and the place you're going to serve. No matter where you're going into what sphere or what field you're in, you get to learn and discern all about humanity. And God points that out to you so you can be a better messenger when the time comes. So, in fact, if we don't read this passage in haste, we can learn some new strategies and about evangelism and what it means to administer the Great Commission in difficult places. Jonah's been given the commission. He has the calling. And now he sees the condition of humanity before he starts his communication. We've looked at Jonah's assignment. Let me show you now Jonah's actions. The Bible says, on the day Jonah entered the city, the fourth day, he shouted to the crowds, from now on, or rather in 40 days, yes, Nineveh is going to be destroyed. And the people of Nineveh believe God's message from the greatest, the Bible says, to the least. And as a result, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. Now, when the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, the Bible says, he stepped down from his throne, took off his royal clothes, dressed himself in burlap, and sat on a heap of ashes. Beloved, verse 4 of this passage opens up for the reader a stark contrast in the personality of Jonah. Something happened to him. He went from being a rebellious, reluctant prophet to pro, a proclaiming, passionate partner with God. And after three days, and looking at the plight of the Ninevites, Jonah's passion propels him to proclaim the powerful, prolific word of the Lord. He warns Ninevites that judgment is coming. Now notice this. He's a stranger to their culture. He doesn't fit in with society. He's an alien. He's a, a, a stranger in their jurisdiction, yet he's on fire for God. He preaches repentance and judgment, and it's the only message the prophet has. Secondly, we see in this text that his message works. When the people of Nineveh hear the word of the Lord that they've never heard before, they do something about what they hear. The Bible says... The people of Nineveh believed God's message. And from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show how sorrowful they were. In other words, they repented. And they turned from their way of life and demonstrated their sorrow by declaring a fast from the culture and from the things that caused them to be separated from God. Oh, my beloved, when they heard the word of the Lord, they demonstrated their sorrow by their fasting from their practices. Thirdly, the passage says this. Not only did the people turn and change their ways, but the king did also. 
Now, what does that mean? Jonah's sermons turned the culture. And it penetrated every area of life. See, those in authority and those under authority were impacted by the prophet's message. You said, Chaplain, what does that mean? Here's what it means. The Bible works. (laughs) Oh, beloved, preaching matters. Preaching the word of God under the authority of God with the inspiration of God, challenging people to conform to God, still changes cities today. And amen goes right there. Can you imagine a city that takes three days to see gets changed by one preacher? He doesn't have the internet. He doesn't have TikTok. He's not on the gram. He's not on X. He's not on Facebook. He doesn't have cable or TV. He doesn't have satellites. He doesn't have laptops or phone. But what he has is more than enough. The word of God drives his message throughout the culture. And here's why. To change the culture. To save the culture. To point the culture to the consequences of living life without a holy God. Here's the application here. What we need in the world today are some Joannes and Jonas. They're on our campuses. Those students that have a heart to obey God. Those students who are willing and wanting to proclaim the word of God in every area of disciplines that they're going into. We need some Joannes and some Jonas who are willing to go into the difficult places and use the word of God to preach the gospel to people. We need some Joannes and Jonas who will use what they got when the Lord says to use it. And I can't help but notice spending a little time in the well may have made all the difference in Jonah's life. And perhaps that's what we need in this room is some of us to be reminded about our well time. None of us become messengers when life is easy. It always takes an encounter with God to make you sit up, shake up, and feel an urgency about people lost and going into an eternity, beloved, Without God. I'm off my script here, but I venture to say our schools were born in the crucible of urgency. Because our founders saw that humanity was lost. And we needed to do something with the gifts that God has given us to raise up a nation of believers that would influence the world. We need to go back and remember our well time. When I look at this assignment and I look at his actions, I got to show you his accomplishment. The Bible says in verse seven, that when Jonah did that, the king and his nobles, they sent a decree throughout the whole city. They said, no one, not even animals from your herds and flocks may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments mourning and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. The king says, well, who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. 
Beloved, when we come to this pericope of the passage, we see the accomplishments of Jonah's preaching. His preaching was so powerful that the king called for a change nationwide. The king declared by national mandate that the fast was for everybody. He mandated that people stop what they were doing, cease from all violence, show their sorrow by demonstration, and declare this surrender and submission to God. He even declared that the fast impact their nation systems. You say, what? Yes. This was an agrarian community. So when he calls for them to stop the beast in the field from working, he was shutting down the economy to pay attention to a prayer meeting that was happening. We saw this in 2020, but I think we missed it. When COVID came, I literally said, God is calling a prayer meeting. And people begin to pray like they never had before. That's nothing new to the scripture. Every now and then, God shuts everything down to get people's attention to come back to him. I'm hunting for an amen right there. When we look at this passage, Jonah's preaching did this. He got the entire country's attention, and the king declared that they would do this. Secondly, we learn from this passage that this happened because Nineveh was on God's heart, beloved. Nineveh was on the mind of God. Here it is. Your city is on the mind of God. Your campus is on the mind of God. Your, your county is on the mind of God. Your state is on the mind of God. Your country is on the mind of God. Come on, help the chocolate preacher, y'all. Where you live, your family, your babies, your cousins, your brothers, your siblings, they're on the heart of God. And you're the Jonah that he's placed right there to proclaim the word of the Lord. When I look at this text, God was preparing this city for repentance. He was already at work before Jonah got there. He was already working. So they were ready to receive the message when he came. Let me say it like this. God's going to accomplish all that he's going to accomplish with you or without you. His word will never fail. It'll always get results because it comes from God. And God still works in difficult places with difficult people in difficult times. Why? Because he's God and he loves humanity. His word is powerful. So let's not forget the word still works. Can you say that with me? The word still works. We've looked at Jonah's assignment, his actions, his accomplishment. I'm through now. Let me give you Jehovah's approval. The Bible says in verse 10 that when God saw this, what, had, what he had done, and how the, the nation had put a stop to their evil ways, I like this. He changed his mind and didn't carry out the destruction he had threatened. Well, thank you for listening. Thank you for being here this week. It's so good to see you guys. We miss you and been praying for you all year. When we come to this last verse in the story, we see that the Great Commission 
in a difficult place, it accomplished all that God had ordained it to accomplish. After Jonah preached the message and after Jonah revealed the heart of God and the will of God to the Ninevites, they put a stop to their evil ways. God saw it, was a witness that they had heard the word and had repented of their ways. I'm off my notes now, but you know what? Sometimes I wonder, brothers and sisters, what is God doing in heaven? I think he's waiting for us to do what he called us to do. A lot of times we're waiting on politicians and we're waiting on other areas and spheres of society to do what we hope they'll do. That's not the answer. The answer is supernatural. When we do what we're supposed to do, they will obey what God has told them to do. God decided not to destroy them because they decided that God's ways were right. Well, I got to leave you now. But Jehovah God approved of the Ninevites' repentance. Jehovah God approved of Jonah's message. Jehovah God approved of what he saw. And I don't know about you, but when we get to heaven and we get to the CCCU section, (laughs) I want to hear God say, well done. Y'all did it right. I want to hear God say, high five your neighbor, CCCU. You did it right. What about you today? I know our campuses aren't perfect. We're imperfect people, but we serve a perfect God. And I know one thing we get right is the word of God. How how tight are you holding it? How much love are you pouring into those babies? How much gospel is penetrating every syllabus on campus? What about the co-curricular? How much gospel are we pouring into them so they can keep pouring into our students? The gospel is still the power of God under salvation. And I close with this last bit of theology. I know you have it too. It helps my biblical worldview to know that God's got everything under control and is in his hands. So will you help me celebrate by singing my childhood vacation Bible school song? He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the CCU, he got the CCU. In his hands, he's got the CC. Come on, y'all. He's got the CCU. In his hands, he's got the whole world in his hands.